Hello everybody and welcome to another edition of the AfriCast. It's a full house this week. Uh, joining me as always is Clint Matos. Hello again everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. And of course I'm Brendan Lutz. Uh, it's been a short week. I'm sure I'm going to miss all the public holidays we, we've had. Uh, the next one is only 16th of June, I believe. And I don't mm. even know if we get that as a public holiday. Is it, does it fall on a weekend? Uh, uh, it falls on so. a Thursday. It falls on a Thursday. So mm. we do get that public holiday. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, it's been an interesting week. Uh, uh, yeah. Let, let, let's get into the news for the week. And then we'll discuss the main topic, which is a movie that's coming out later today or is out today. Uh, but let's start with you, Clinton. What have you got for us this week? So I got something from Mega Constructs. So just a quick brief history. Mega Constructs is Mega Blocks. Um, for a long time, Mega Blocks was a big um, uh, competitor to Lego. But at some point in the last, I think, 15 years, their products really weren't available in South Africa. And then also during that time, they did a rebrand to become Mega Constructs. Um, Mega Blocks still exists, but that's more for um, kids, for like toddlers. It's those big blocks. And then Mega Constructs is for teens and adults. And they did this big rebrand and they got big licenses like um, uh, what's called Halo. And they did all this rebranding and changing and cool license stuff. And the products really weren't available in South Africa. But recently, Mattel has taken, a I don't know what how to say it, but they've taken a bigger interest in South Africa and more of the products are being made available. And we have access to one of those products. It is the Havoc Staff. So... That is the scary purple magic staff wielded by Skeletor because He-Man is one of those licenses that Mega Constructs has. Now, this isn't a one-to-one -one scale prop, but it is huge. It is um, The official measurement is 1.02 meters, which is really big. I measured it and I got closer to 1.05 or something like that. So it, it's longer than uh, a meter. It's huge. Um, for those in America... Uh, that's 40.5 inches it is really long and i will have a full review um, of it on the site i was actually writing it just before we started this um it has how many 700 pieces it has more than 700 pieces so you are building that and the experience was really fun um the box that it comes in is really quality i know we don't usually talk about packaging but the box that came in is really nice it has this cool opening mechanism Inside is the pieces in bags. You get an instruction booklet. Uh, there are no stickers or decals that you need to worry about. You just put bricks together. Um, looking at these bricks, the quality is really good. Um, the, they have really caught up with Lego in terms of um, both the, the quality of the molds and then the quality of the plastic itself. I know back in the day, Mega Constructs was cheaper than Lego. So a lot of people thought it was a, kind of a lesser product. And the mold quality and the plastic quality, again, I'm talking like 20 years ago now, we are 15 or so, it really wasn't on par. But I think as the years have gone on, the two have become uh, more neck and neck. And I especially mentioned stickers and decals. Lego has gone mad in recent years with stickers. I think even small sets that cost like 150 Rand have a lot of stickers. So to get a big um, set like this that doesn't have stickers is really nice. Uh, something that is also really nice is that you think you just open this and it would be 741 pieces of just plain purple. And there are 
mostly purple pieces, but all of them have this really cool effect where there are silver speckles inside of the plastic. And it's a bit difficult to see on camera and also in the like promotional images and even the images we captured and put in our review, it's difficult to see. But once you get close to it, the little silver speckles really help the overall piece look more three-dimensional and it gives it more, um, I don't know what to call it, it gives it more body, it gives it more depth. And I really appreciate that. And again, I, I, I love Lego, but they never do stuff like this. Um, when they do random like speckles or, or color mixing or stuff like this, it's very rare. And you would never buy a set that has 700 pieces, 700 plus pieces, and like 600 of the pieces have the special molding and special coloring. So the quality is really good. And the final build is also really good. The process of putting it together is relatively straightforward um there is some repetition because it's basically just it's a staff right it's a long pole at the end of the day and the staff section that you actually hold is, is is a bit repetitive but they do break it up so you're not doing the same thing over and over again and when it's finished it's a real it's a real looker it's a real display piece i showed a lot of family and friends and they were impressed that this was all brick built and i think if you're far enough away you can't really tell that it's brick built and i think you, you could, if you want to dress up a skeleton for like a convention or Halloween or something, you could take this with you and walk around with it. Though, I wouldn't really do that because it is sturdy enough, but it's not sturdy uh, to the point where you can like bash it into things. Um, I was taking it to take some pictures earlier and I hit the horn on the side of the door and it absolutely shattered. And I mean, that's the good thing about these brick bolt systems. I just put it back together again, but it is a bit of a pain. So... Uh, I mean, uh, it gets two thumbs up from uh, from me. Again, I am going over things a bit fast here because we will have a full review on the site. And people should check it out. I don't have the recommended retail price on me right now. I think it's 999, 1,000 Rand, because that's the price it was in Hamley's. That being said, um, Take A Lot has it for 865. So you can get it for less. And on top of that, um, depending on when you listen to this, we are giving one of these away thanks to Mattel who owns Mega Constructs we are going to be giving one of these away on Twitter um, you can check links to everything at the bottom of the story if the link isn't there just reload the page in a few hours and it will be there inside the review we'll also have a link to it but the best way to find the giveaway is just to follow us on Twitter not just for this giveaway but for all the giveaways in the future um, it's only open to those in South Africa and all you're going to need to do is retweet and follow us. It's really a simple thing to get into. So that is the Mega Constructs Masters of the Universe Havoc Staff. It's a very long name for a product and it gets two thumbs up from me. Um, I'm a big Lego fan, but I can definitely see when there's other brands doing good stuff in this market. Um, are either of you guys He-Man fans? It completely missed my generation, but uh, I showed this to my brother who's born in the 80s and he loved it. Yeah, I was a child of He-Man. Oh, well, that sounds really bad. Uh, <laughs> I grew up when He-Man was, po illegitimate was popular. Child. <laughs> yeah, I grew up when He-Man was and you, popular. And you, Robin, are you a big He-Man person? Yeah, I'm into He-Man. Um, Have I'm you guys seen this? Marshall Brave Star Man myself. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely kind of all those <laughs> series that were inspired by, TV, by uh, toys and stuff like that. If you guys saw this on the shelves, would you uh, would you give it a look? I, I know most people don't like going to most adults, even though I do it. You don't go into the toy store and look around. But um, does this pique your interest at all? Uh, sort of. Um, 
the the I guess it like you say it's a display piece and I'm not really a fan of display pieces like if I'm gonna have if I'm gonna buy a toy I'm gonna play with it uh, simply yeah. because when I grew up my parents got us this uh, scale electric set and you can only play with this when you're older and responsible and we never got to play oh with it God. because we were never <laughs> responsible um, so yeah for me like display pieces and stuff don't really serve a purpose I prefer like playing with the actual thing you know even yeah. though i have a 35 year old man <laughs> no i mean uh, that's a yeah, conversation I mean, we have another time but these companies things. are making stuff for adults sorry robin go ahead no, i was just gonna say at uh, 999 and it is perhaps outside of my uh, current spending budget uh, fun yeah. budget yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah but uh, like i said uh take lot does have it slightly cheaper at 865 but it's still expensive and if you like robin and you don't want to pay for it Come into our contest. Maybe you'll win. Um, yeah. you, you have a good chance, guys. Really, you should get in there and enter it. Okay. And, Robin, this week you were at Ecom Africa, which is all about e-commerce. You want to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. I've spent the past week in the City Bowl, um, enjoying Cape Town as much as I can, and also attending a bunch of presentations around the local e-commerce space, as well as kind of what's literally going to happen over the coming year and years. Um and there were a number of panel discussions uh, with regards to e-commerce. Um, a lot of them were very much vendor and platform focused, but one of the more interesting ones from a journalist perspective was around uh, trends in the e-commerce space and potentially what's going to happen locally uh, over the coming months and year. Um, and so this, this panel was moderated by Warwick Kearns, who is the CEO of the Insaka e-commerce academy. And he had three panelists joining him, um, kind of from different segments within the e-commerce ecosystem. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Alex Jenoff, who is the head of customer research at Zappos, which is obviously a globally recognized e-commerce platform. Then we had Vincent Viviers, who is the retail executive for Omnichannel at Pick and Pay, which is obviously a massive local retailer. Mm-hmm. And then Shannon McLaughlin, who is the founder and CEO of a smaller business called Ubuntu Baba. So we kind of got, I guess, different perspectives as far as what uh, trends these uh, different companies and people are kind of looking at uh, for the coming year. And I won't go over kind of all the trends that were mentioned, but I found um, one or two that were rather interesting. And it was kind of, the, the focus early on was really around grocery delivery services. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've kind of seen as a result of the pandemic that uh, takeaway delivery in particular has really thrived. Um, but it was kind of posited that takeaway delivery, although very convenient, is potentially uh, very much a luxury purchase for a lot of people in South Africa and uh, again it's it kind of hits a certain segment of society, doesn't necessarily meet a wider need and there is the assumption that or rather prediction that grocery delivery in particular is going to thrive over the coming year and years so we could see a lot more grocery delivery services kind of popping up in South Africa as well as the existing ones kind of really strengthening the offering um, then as far as kind of the trends within the grocery delivery service, um, they spoke about speed versus convenience. Uh, at the moment, uh, a lot of the, I guess, gimmicks, for lack of a better term, when it comes to grocery delivery in South Africa, is really built around speed and getting the items that you've ordered online as quickly as possible. I mean, obviously, Checker 6060 is the, um, is the most notable one in that regard. And yeah. uh, I think we've all kind of used the service 
mm. and it's pretty pretty solid as far as kind of getting your items as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, one of the elements that they spoke about was something called quick commerce or Q commerce, and it seems to be kind of taking root uh, in a lot of European nations, where delivery is almost handled within fifteen to twenty minutes, which sounds insane uh, yeah. <laughs> if you're here in South Africa, but. Um, this is kind of the point that uh, uh, Warwick Kearns kind of raised, that this is potentially somewhere that local e-commerce players are going to try and uh, improve uh, as far as e- uh, Q-commerce goes. Um, but Viviers was kind of leaning towards a different side. Um, he thinks that although speed is important and it's good in terms of acquiring or signing up new customers, uh, convenience is probably going to be the thing that ensures that you have that customer loyalty. So we we could sh- we should start seeing um, grocery delivery in particular kind of evolving uh, towards like uh, I guess more schedule based and convenience based uh, deliveries. So if you take for example uh, a normal grocery purchase uh, that happens, uh, you normally do it either weekly or monthly. Mm. So uh, I guess more e-commerce platforms are going to look to one have a portfolio that caters to the weekly or the monthly purchasing. Mm. and then schedule its delivery accordingly. So hopefully we're going to see that happen over the coming year. And yeah, it'll be quite interesting to see as far as how the existing players like Checkers, Pick and Pay, Woolworths, how they kind of improve the offering as well as what scope there is for smaller startups to kind of come in there and potentially disrupt the market. Um, The other kind of element we spoke about, well, rather the panel spoke about, was um, influencers. I know that uh, for our publication, influencers uh, is a bit of a polarizing subject. Um, but uh, in terms of a smaller retailer, uh, specifically Ubuntu Baba, Ms. Um, uh, Clarkson was kind of mentioning her business um, having to kind of scale back in the early months of the pandemic and try and really see how wisely they could spend their money. So they're kind of shifting towards not looking for, I guess, bigger or larger influences, but rather can uh, turn towards micro-influences. Um, although they might have a small audience, uh, a lot of the time it's, it's, it's an audience that's quite niche and a lot of the time it's also quite uh, f- fairly well engaged mm-hmm. as far as its interaction with influencers. So they seem to be leaning towards that direction as far as kind of getting the messaging out there. And um, I guess when it comes to bigger brand influencers, um, I think very much like uh, bigger websites as well. Um, sometimes your messaging could get lost as opposed to a smaller brand that has a more, I guess, direct uh, interaction with its audience. Mm. You can definitely get your messaging uh, a, bit, a, a bit pegged down better as far as uh, in your brand exposure is concerned. Um, another element you mentioned was with regards to educating uh, customers online. Because you don't have a physical brick and mortar space, um, you don't really have the advantage of having salespeople on the floor that can kind of educate customers about different products. So Ubuntu Bar was trying to look at ways that they can actually integrate educational tools within their own website and try and, because we, um, they specialize in uh, childcare products. So a lot of the time, especially for first time uh, parents, mm-hmm. they might not necessarily have the expertise or the knowledge that is required or uh, needed to understand a specific product. So they're looking at ways to kind of educate the customer as far as uh, the different products are concerned and uh, potentially assisting them 
as far as making the right uh, purchasing decision. Mm-hmm. And again, that kind of will start to breed more loyalty with the customers. They will want to come and visit your site more because they know they're getting, I guess, expert opinion. So yeah, those are just some of the trends that uh, we mentioned uh, during the panel. And yeah, um, I think one of the important things to note is that although e-commerce in South Africa has kind of exploded over the past two years as a result of the pandemic, it still only represents when compared to the physical retail space, I think it's 0.5% as far as, 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 as I guess, retail is concerned. So one, obviously we know that it's, it's exploding at the moment, but there's also a massive room for growth. So yeah. I guess if you are not in the e-commerce game, um, and you are a retailer or you're selling a service or product, you need to get onto it quickly because can, although there is room to grow, there is certainly already a, n- a number of key players that are gobbling up a lot of that market share. So um, the e-commerce space, both in South Africa and probably the rest of Africa as well, is going to look quite interesting over the coming years. So something I do take issue with, I, I, I just want to highlight this. I did mention it to you earlier this week, was um, Vincent Vivier's notes about... Uh, how speed is great, but uh, convenience is what will keep people. But I mean, so to me, the issue with that statement is, is that if I log on to uh, Checker 6060 right now, I can have groceries delivered within 60 minutes. If I log on to Pick and Pay ASAP, um, I have a period between one and two o'clock where I is, which is the soonest I can have groceries delivered. Now that's not convenient for me because... Between one and two, I could be somewhere else. I could be away from home. I could have an appointment. So I don't really understand what he means by convenience because speed factors into that formula, I'm sure. Or yeah. at least to my mind, it, it, it forms part of that. So I'm not sure what – it feels to me like Vivius is making uh, making a, excuses here for the fact that pick and pay doesn't have 60-minute delivery. That's just my opinion. Yeah, look, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a full insight into yeah, operations, but I think what he was alluding to is, I guess he was probably speaking more anecdotally, is if, for example, uh, you go overseas and you're using an e-commerce platform or a grocery delivery service mm. and you say you want your items at an arbitrary time, like 20 minutes past three in the afternoon, yeah, it, it arrives at that time. Uh, so okay. it's really around grocery delivery service working around your schedule than ah. necessarily saying, uh, you having to work around theirs, which I think Fair is enough. a big problem that still needs to be handled in South Africa. You take for some, something like uh, take a lot, for example. Yeah. The delivery window is essentially an entire workday. So yeah. you don't know if you have to be home or not to receive the delivery. So I think that's probably where the convenience element kind of comes into play. Mm. And then as well, if you're not there for the delivery or the guy can't find the place or it's too far out, then you have to wait the next day as well. Sometime between eight and five. Yeah, I, I, I mean, these are really interesting insights, and I think that if you are a business owner, you should really heed what these folks say. Um, I do really value Warwick Kearns' uh, insight, uh, and if you're not part of the Insaka e-commerce uh, community on Facebook, I highly recommend joining that, um, if, especially if you're trying to launch uh, an online shop. There's a huge community of small businesses in South Africa. Uh, that offer insights and share advice with each other. Really, really cool little resource. Um, but yeah, uh, keep an eye out for some more from Ecom Africa. There's some really, really great content coming from Robin, and we appreciate him being in Cape Town uh, to handle all that for us. Uh, yes, happy to travel to Cape 
<laughs> I mean, at least you didn't have to go to the Ukraine to discover that the price of chips is going up in South African schools. You know, I feel like there's easier ways to do that. Anyway, let's move on uh, to social media and creator funds. So if you know, do you, are you guys familiar with the TikTok creator fund? I, I know about it in concept. I okay. uh, I still haven't installed or made an account on TikTok because <laughs> it's basically spyware, but uh, go ahead. Okay, so the TikTok Creator Fund was a lump sum of money that TikTok set aside for creators. And once you earn a certain amount of views on a video, you get a share of this Creator Fund. The issue is that uh, while the number of creators who are able to access this fund goes up, the actual amount of money to split amongst creators doesn't. Uh, and this creates a bit of a problem, uh, especially with the likes of Instagram and YouTube kind of moving in on TikTok's territory. And YouTube especially having a much better advertising sharing re or ad revenue sharing model uh, compared to somebody like TikTok. Well, that was the case until earlier this week when TikTok announced something called TikTok Pulse. Um, this is a revenue sharing uh, solution for TikTok and its creators. So essentially, if you're a TikTok creator, uh, you will now be able to get a share of uh, advertising revenue. However, there are some stipulations. Um, you'll need to have at least 100,000 followers to be eligible in the initial fra uh, phases of this program. Uh, and the program is open to creators, public, public figures, and media publishers. The first available market that this will be launched in is, of course, the United States, um, with other, other territories following thereafter. They did say available markets, and I know that TikTok has a pretty big presence here locally. Uh, so I would expect that we would start to see that here, um, hopefully holding thumbs. Um, and yeah, the revenue model is 50-50. So TikTok takes 50% and creators get 50% of the, the ad revenue. For advertisers, this means that you will be able to uh, place your advertising alongside more relevant uh, videos. So there will be 12 categories brands can place their, uh, their advertising next to. Um, these categories range from beauty and fashion to cooking and gaming um, and so many other verticals the TikTok community loves engaging with. Uh, so this is really cool. I'm, I'm really excited to see how this, how this affects TikTok in terms of membership numbers. Um, it is a very fast-growing uh, social network at the moment, but I think that the Creator Fund kept a lot of creators uh, from making it a really – going whole hog into this, but sharing ad revenue is a really great model. We've seen it work with YouTube uh, to great success, so much so that we now have people where we now have, what would you like to be when you grow up? A YouTuber. Um, so yeah, this is really, really interesting and I'm keen to see how how it works. Uh, whether it will succeed, we don't know. We don't have a crystal ball, but given the fact that they are now sharing revenue rather than just a, a dispensing from one lump sum fund, uh, that's really good news. I'm not sure what will happen with the TikTok Creator Fund. Um, maybe that could be something for to kind of bring smaller creators or reward smaller creators, and then you have the ad, ad sharing, ad, ad, the ad sharing model uh, with uh, your larger creators. Maybe that's a, a tack they could go. We don't know as of yet. This was just really announced this week. So yeah, um, I'm keen to see where this goes. Uh, there's some really great creators on TikTok. And hopefully they can make some money and earn some money off of their fantastic comedy skits and uh, original music and all that sort of stuff. So really, really cool. Clinton, you said that you're not on TikTok. Robin, are you? do you use TikTok at all? Uh, I'm not on TikTok or make use of it, really. Um, I guess 
I'm not the type of audience I know you're too old. But I was kind of interested to find out if this pertains to original content because I think there's a lot of kind of quite copying or rehashing or recycling of content yeah. on TikTok. And I'm just wondering that at least the original content creators are kind of getting their fair share. I don't know. Uh, the, yeah. You do mention a, a really big problem with TikTok, which is reposting and that sort of stuff. And often um, TikTok sounds will get a lot of, uh, a lot of, um, will have legs on TikTok, but the actual creator won't see the benefits of that. Um, for instance, there's a, a trend at the moment with a woman who's saying, oh, I'm a bumblebee. Uh, and that sound has gone viral, but the actual creator of the song hasn't. So it's this weird, this weird kind of split in users where you have like the original creator doing something fantastic, and then the sound gets picked up by somebody who's more popular, and then they get the views from that. So I don't know how TikTok is going to address that because that is a big problem that people have spoken about and are cognizant of. But uh, hopefully that means TikTok is cognizant of it as well. Um, yeah, I think you kind of potentially run into DCMA territory. When oh, I mean, that's all. Re- that's that's one of these days. Uh, folks are going to or media companies are going to start looking closely at TikTok, and when that day comes, uh, all the uh, the copyrighted music and all that sort of stuff, I'm pretty sure is going to end. Yeah, um, I mean, TikTok is based on all that copyrighted mm-hmm. stuff. I don't know how they're going to do this. Like, you're going to get fifty percent to TikTok and then the creators are going to get 50%. Eventually, these companies are going to come with uh, their lawyers and yeah. say, okay, what percent are we going to get? And they're going to want like 100%. So and, uh, uh, I'm not YouTube. wishing them. Yeah, yeah exactly. It, people are like, oh, the reason TikTok is so good um, as opposed to YouTube is because I can use all this music I want mm. and um, I can just use other people's content as I, you know, freely. You, you can just use other people's content on on um on tiktok and it's made to do that with the like duets and everything yeah. and it's, it's like how training. is that gonna work yeah right now it's kind of just like corporate goodwill basically but then yeah. when you when you put money in with it oh i uh i'm happy people are gonna get paid for their work but i'm uh i'm a bit nervous about when the big companies come with their lawyers mm. Because that will happen. We, we're seeing it with Twitch. Uh, we're seeing a whole bunch of uh, automated solutions where companies are able to scan uh, content live yeah. for copyright infringement. So, yeah. Uh, and Twitch, interesting. Twitch is such a good example because everybody ragged on YouTube. They complained about the music stuff. And then they're like, oh, I love Twitch because of this music stuff. And then Twitch implemented the same systems. Yeah. And now people are saying, I don't like Twitch. I'm going to go to TikTok. It's like, do you not understand that the problem isn't the platform? It's the music companies. Oh, you copyright. can't escape the music companies. It's the copyright system in America. So yeah, anyone who thinks it isn't going to also happen to TikTok is just... Uh, they're ill-informed, to say what, the least. Yeah, once you add money to the equation, uh, the companies that own copyrights are like, oh, you're making money? We'd like some of that, please. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. Interesting to see what happens <laughs> over, with TikTok over the coming months. Let's move on. Uh, today, I think one of the more highly anticip- anticipated movies from the... Oh, I lie, because there was Spider-Man No Way Home. Um, but the next movie that has been highly anticipated is Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Um, Clinton, you yes. actually got to watch this early and yes. I read your review and it was, I don't want to say it was raving because it, it, there were some points that you made that, that kind of lowered the experience a little bit, but do you want to yeah. tell us about it? What was, sure. what was it like to finally see this movie? 
Oh my! It's honestly the uh, the best Marvel movie we've had for a long time. Certainly the best Marvel anything we've had since um, the pandemic and the endless delays and the shuffling of movies and everything. It's the best Marvel ending we've had in a long time. Um, before we talk about this movie specifically, I want to talk to you guys quickly about Sam Raimi because he's, of course, the director. Um, I think everybody... Does anybody not like Sam Raimi? Um, so I want to ask you guys before this, have you guys seen The Evil Dead 1 and The Evil Dead 2? Uh, I haven't seen any of The Evil Deads, but I have seen some of his other work. I have seen... Right. So I've seen Ash vs. The Evil Dead, Yeah, uh, but not The Evil Dead 1 and 2. Robin, have you seen them? Only one, not two. Okay, so it, it, I just wanted to bring it up because it's important to remember that Sam Raimi, I think, like in his heart, is a horror director. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about the, the original Spider-Man movies in a second because I also need to talk about that. But I think even in the original Spider-Man, you have ele uh, elements of horror. You have people being turned into skeletons. You have that uh, weird crying scene in the burning building. You have uh, some jump scares even in the first Spider-Man. So let's talk about Spider-Man quickly. I mean, we've all seen the original trilogy, the Sam Raimi trilogy of Spider-Man movie, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... The fact that Sam Raimi can do superhero stuff uh, should be no surprise to anyone. I mean, it, it's it's easy to say that he ushered in the new age of superhero movies that created the, the MCU, right? Um, he's kind of the father of these movies. So when it was announced that he was coming back to direct this movie, it was really interesting. Uh, I think especially because Doctor Strange's first movie, I think it was generally well received and people like the kind of trippy visuals but i don't think anyone can say that dr strange the first one was their favorite movie and i don't think it really had a, a, i don't know what other word to use here but a legacy it's like the first captain america movie or like the first Thor movie it's just it's just like okay and it's kind of the same thing we've known it's a comic book you know superhero introductory movie where you see how he got his powers and then he fights an evil version of himself. It's always an evil version of the uh, the character. So it was really interesting because uh, Raimi was coming back and it's really interesting because um, Doctor Strange is a really weird character and the version that we've got um, so far has done a lot in the MCU so far. He was a big part of the Infinity Saga, as it's called. So seeing this movie, it started off really slow and honestly it started off not that interesting and i watched the first like i think 20 minutes i was like this is a uh, this isn't great and then it just it it, it gets to a hundred so fast <laughs> you know it it starts at zero and then it goes at zero for a while and then it just goes to 100 it doesn't go through 10 or 20 and it just goes to 100 and it doesn't stop and now thinking back to it every scene in this movie is so sharp and so important to the overall themes um, and the overall story, I, I really feel sorry for people like myself who don't have the uh, the world's biggest bladder. Because if you go to the toilet during this movie, you're going to miss something important, even if it's just like half a scene. And I, I did mention this in my review, but it, I can't help think about the Batman, which was almost three hours long and just felt so bloated. And it kept doing the same thing over and over again. To now see another superhero movie that really feels... Uh, I don't know what other word again to use here, but like, yeah, it feels uh, economical. It feels um, purposefully made. And again, I, I don't want to, I'm not saying that the Batman was bad. I actually really liked the Batman, but 
it's just very clear what the difference between going back to your movie and kind of being really strict about what you cut out and what you keep in. And this is just under two hours, but it feels like a very brisk just under two hours. And you never feel like things are dragging and things are always happening. So uh, I do want to talk about this movie with you guys, but I'm not going to spoil anything. And I'd usually give an overview of like the story. But like I said, because every scene is so fast and it introduces so much, I don't know how much I can say. What I can say is that Doctor Strange is back. Um, you know, chronologically, this isn't a prequel or anything. This is the next movie in the MCU timeline-wise. Um, Doctor Strange is back. Um, the Scarlet Witch, played by Elizabeth Olsen, is back. And she's a big part of this movie. I think the the advertising for this movie didn't really point out how much she's in it. This is kind of like a, a Doctor Strange Scarlet Witch movie. Mm. Um, we got Wong, who's played by Benedict Wong, and we have Christine Palmer, played by Rachel McAdams. They are all returning, but we do have a newcomer in the form of the char- uh, the character America Chavez. I-, I cannot pronounce the actress's name. Um, I'm not even going to try, but she's a new character in this movie, but she's not a new character in the comics. Um, America Chavez has the power to jump between uh, universes and this is called the multiverse of madness so you can kind of ascertain that she's a big part of the plot of this movie i can't say how again all i can say is that dr strange needs to protect america chavez from some something again i can't say what and the two of them go dimension hopping and i just want to talk about the trailers that have been put out so far i did link to some of them in my review and you can check them out but this is one of those movies that as soon as you start talking about what actually happens, you're going to just buff it and explain everything. So <laughs> what I want to say about the story, it's very tight. It's very fun. There is some fan service. I think the, the term fan service has kind of been overused since um, No Way Home, which was just, again, not to spoil it, but it's very clear that that was made not really of its own accord. It was made with the... the what can I say about that movie? It's made with the intention to do certain things to please moviegoers instead of just making a good movie of its own merits, if that makes sense. And I think people who have watched the movie kind of understand what I'm saying there. And you can kind of say that this movie also has some of that same fan service, but I really don't think it's as egregious as that movie. I think that the entire premise of this movie, like the Spider-Verse, is to go through universes and see all this weird stuff and the history of the comics and everything like that. So in terms of being fan servicey, it does do that to an extent, but I don't think too much. So I'm really happy with the story and I I, I just can't complain. Um, and something that is also really impressive here is the CGI. Now, again, if you watch the trailers and even the first um, Doctor Strange movie did this, the visuals are something you're going to look forward to, right? The entire look that the MCU has created for Doctor Strange is weird and he's got fractals and he's jumping between the mirror universe or the mirror dimension, whatever it's called. So you can expect more of that. And Sam Raimi went insane. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned in um, in my review, there's a scene in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 where... Peter Quill finds out that he's basically a god and he thinks about it for a while and then says, I'm going to do some weird stuff. Stuff, Uh, He swears, so yeah, I can't say it. We're a family-friendly channel. Uh, So I I can only imagine that's what Sam Raimi thought when he found out he was going to do another Marvel movie and he had 
not an unlimited budget, but I think that the budget for this is something between like two hundred and four hundred and fifty million dollars. So and it was about a wizard. Yeah, and it's about a wizard. Like you have, <laughs> you have both the in-universe justification to do a lot of weird stuff, and then you also have the um, the financial backing to do weird Ooh. stuff. So it was such a good decision, and I know Marvel makes a lot of good decisions um, most of the time. Let's not talk about the Eternals. Um, when it comes to who they pick to do these projects and how much money to give them and stuff like that, and it was such a good fit to give Sam Raimi um Doctor Strange. It was such a fit uh, to give him and give him a lot of money to make absolutely ridiculous stuff. So in terms of the visuals, I, again, I have nothing to complain about for the most part. So I think it's in the beginning of the movie, the first like 20 minutes, and I think about the last half an hour, the CGI really starts to show its cracks. And usually for a Marvel movie, the CGI looks good in the cinema. And then if you see it at home on a slightly smaller screen, that's maybe not calibrated right. It, it starts to look a bit bad um, in certain sections. And I think, again, going back to Spider-Man No Way Home, that movie was, I think, rightfully pointed out that a lot of the scenes in that movie just don't look good. And some people saying, yeah, but you have to remember it was the pandemic and they had to just do a lot of green screen stuff where they would have rather done it in real life and stuff like that. I don't know how much of the pandemic affected this movie, if at all. But I do just want to say that there are sections in the beginning and at the end which just don't look like a 200 to $400 million movie. Um, you can see a lot of cracks between the CGI and a lot of times where it's very clear these people are just standing on the green screen and that they're just kind of floating in front of their environment. And there's some sections where I don't know why they did that because they'll just be like in a building. It's like, why Why did you have to CGI a building? You, you couldn't have found a building with $400 million? Um, and there's one or two characters where, like, they'll be wearing a mask, but you can tell that their entire face is CGI. And it's like, why did you have to CGI someone's face? And it's not like, um, what's it called? It's not de-aging. The, the character is the same age or supposed to be the same age as the actor, but you gave them a CGI face. Why? It's just, it's first of all, it's unnecessary. And second of all, it just doesn't look good. So the CGI, I would say, is like 80 to 90% fantastic. And there are certain scenes that the uh, the filmmakers really use the shortcomings of the CGI and covered it up. Um, usually you do that with lighting. Usually you do that with setting. And I just don't understand why some parts look so bad and some parts look so good. Um, I don't know if it has anything to do with the fact that it's, again, the beginning and the end of the movies when I noticed it the most. Maybe another company did those sections. Maybe they ran out of time or budget. Maybe those sections would just deem not as important to the overall experience. Um, so they were given less time and polish. I'm not sure. I just want to say that this is the same Marvel stuff that we've seen before. Some sections are really good, but other sections, I'm not going to say it's inexcusable because I think some people get really uh, excited about this and say, oh, I can't believe you did X and Y, but it's just, it's just a bit weird. I don't know why these sections look bad compared to the rest. Um, the other real problem I had is that, like I mentioned, this has a lot of horror elements. But man, I uh, I got so sick of the jump scares. You know, <laughs> um, there's not it's not like a ghost pops up and it's a jump scare, but there are some very clear horror horror elements here. And doing a jump scare in a Marvel movie is kind of like a novel thing, right? These movies are made for everyone. I think the the overseas 
age restriction for this is like 12. And I don't think... What is the age restriction in South Africa? I don't think this is a, a movie for 12-year-olds. Um, that, that blows me away. Because like uh, the Batman in South Africa is rated 16. And I think this is... It should be higher than that, than the Batman. I don't know why the Batman is 16 in South Africa. So I, I honestly almost don't recommend taking a 13-year-old to this movie. It's I'm not going to say it's very scary. It just has a lot of imagery that I don't think is... It's a bit violent and a bit gory in scenes to the point where some people... And I was talking to them after the movie. They're like, I can't believe a Marvel movie did this. And again, it's very hard to talk about this without spoiling it. And again, the movie came out today, so I'm not going to spoil it at all. I'm just going to tell you that some of what this movie does in terms of visuals is very shocking. Um, But it's also... It leans a lot on jump scares. And I got halfway through the movie and I was just thinking, please don't do another jump scare. And then they do the thing where the like, music slows down and the characters stop talking and then you're like, there's going to be a jump scare, right? And then there's a jump scare. So the CGI and the jump scares were probably the worst part of this movie, but they don't take away from it too much. I, I forgave a lot of that just because the rest of the movie was so good. Um, the other part I wanted to mention is music from Danny Elfman, and he's done so much work. Um, again, it's one of those things where some of it is really good and some of it is not as good. Some of it is just usual Marvel stuff where it's like, oh, there's an action scene here, so you get upbeat music, and people are supposed to be sad in this, so there's very like predictable sad music. Um, but there are one or two highlights here that I can't mention. There are one or two scenes that have a focus on music. And I think that's where Danny Elfman put in like most of his effort. And when you put all of this together, I, I just think it's something that's really fun. I was going to give it like a 9 out of 10. But I, I just reined that in a little bit to, to 8 out of 10. I, don't, I know that uh, like a numerical score is not the be-all, end-all. And you really have to read the full review to to really get everything I wanted to convey about this movie. But I think those those problems with the CGI and stuff like that really bring it down, you know, one out of 10, it brings it down 10%. And also, I think this is one of those movies where I need to see it again because it might be the fact that because they did stuff that was shocking and unexpected, I maybe gave it a higher mark because of the surprise. I don't know if it will... Um, keep up after second watching just because you know a surprise can only be had once um, but I, I'm very confident in the 8 out of 10 I gave it I do stand by the fact that I say this is the best Marvel anything we've gotten in a long time it's much better than any of the shows we've had so far it's much better than the movies we've had so far and I know a lot of people love No Way Home I love No Way Home too but I think this is better than No Way Home um, after the first like 20 minutes this movie just is so much fun and delivers so much that um, Marvel fans want and it keeps doing that until the credits so check out my review um, I want to ask you guys uh, do you like Doctor Strange from the previous movies and then we're also going to have a discussion about um, the old Spider-Man trilogy to kind of understand more about this movie uh, Brendan were you a fan of those original Spider-Man movies uh yeah um i actually i quite liked the first doctor strange movie just because i liked i like benedict cumberbatch yeah um i i think he's a really good actor um and seeing him as doctor strange which was one of the more interesting uh marvel characters for me growing up um 
because he was a wizard and yeah. that was really strange in a world uh, of like uh, uh, Spider Men and X Men and all that sort of stuff. It was just, yeah. it was just, it was cool. So uh, when the first movie came out, I really enjoyed that. I've, I think I've watched it like fifty times, um, <laughs> and I, I, I actually only watched No Way Home because uh, Doctor Strange was in it. <laughs> um, I, I didn't enjoy No Way Home. Like I under, like you, I understand that why that movie was made and there's a lot of fan service in that movie. Um, I personally didn't like it. I, I watched the first time. I was like, that was good. I watched it the second time. I was like, hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm, uh, okay. This this really doesn't have much substance to it. So yeah. I, I, I'm really keen to watch this. I might actually even go to a cinema to watch it because Ooh, scandalous. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want it to be spoiled for me. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I unfortunately got spoiled pretty bad through like YouTube recommendations. <laughs> and I saw the movie early and I got spoiled. I saw it like before the public date um, and I got spoiled. So unfortunately, I mean, it's just... This is the era we live in. Um, yeah. Everybody tries to spoil everything just because most people are a-holes. So, so yeah, um, and, and then on the older Spider-Man trilogy, I, I actually love that trilogy. I'm not ashamed to say that. Um, yeah. I think it's like it might be very camp to some people watching it yeah. now, but when it was released, like there was nothing like that, right? Yeah. I mean, sure, we had – I think X-Men came, around, came out at around the same time, but that was very dark and very serious and gritty – um, and this, the Spider-Man movies were, or Spider-Man movies were just a bit more fun. I know that, yeah. uh, the third one gets memed to death. <laughs> um, but I actually quite enjoy the kind of tongue in cheek nature of it. It's, it's kind yeah. of like having a bit of fun with what is general, what has generally been like a really serious story with the symbiotes and, and Venom and all that sort of stuff. So I, I enjoy Rami's work. Like you say, he's a horror director at heart. Um, and yeah, and I mean, also not. Let's not forget, he used to work on Xena Warrior Princess uh, and like old shows like that, Hercules. So I mean, like he's he's got the credentials to do stuff like this. He's worked yeah. with uh, fantasy fiction or like comic book fiction before. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see this, uh, and uh, uh, even more so after reading your review. Robin, what about you? About uh, how do you feel about the MCU Doctor Strange so far, and what do you think about the uh, those original Spider-Man movies? Yeah, so those original Spider-Man movies I love, um, especially uh, Spider-Man Two. Oh, That's yeah. like still one of my favorite all-time uh, superhero films. Um, yeah, I was really pleased when they brought Sam Raimi back into the fold uh, for Doctor Strange. Um, as for the character in the MCU, it's been a little. I've been a little bit on the fence about him. Uh, I enjoyed the first like strange movie, like you guys mentioned. Those trippy visuals are really cool. Um, also, like Chiwetel Ejiofor a lot. Uh, whatever mm. he does. Um, yeah. uh, he's he's in this movie too, and that's not a spoiler. Um, he's like for two seconds in one of the trailers. I do want to mention that he does return. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, I'm good. I'm eager to see what he's gonna do in this film. Um, but as far as the Doctor Strange character goes, again, I'm a, again, a, a big uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Cumberbatch fan. Um, but I don't know. The, the, the character has been a little bit iffy, um, yeah. especially in uh, No Way Home. I felt he was almost a little bit dumb. Like Yeah, he was kind of movie. like flanderized in that movie. Yeah, it was. So I didn't enjoy <laughs> that. Flanderized. <laughs> Yeah, have you not heard that term before? Ah, no, but it's great. <laughs> so it's like, so I just want to explain it quick. It's it's named after Ned Flanders, uh, and basically, 
in the in the Simpsons um, series, uh, the it's it's a term to talk about the extreme characteristics of a character and their like foibles become more intense over time. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and that's definitely like Doctor Strange is like arrogant and he does make mistakes even though he thinks he knows everything and. In No Way Home, they took that to the extreme to the point where it didn't really feel like Doctor Strange. Yeah. I just wanted to mention that um, just as a quick explanation. Sorry, Robin. Uh, yeah, in that movie, I agree with you. He, he wasn't the uh, the best character. Yeah, I, in general, I just kind of found, uh, you've already mentioned that movie was a little fan service-y. Um, it didn't really hit the marks I thought it was going to. And if it was meant to be a, a crescendo to the previous two films, it just, yeah, it just didn't live up to what my expectations were and all the buzz that I heard around the movie. And I eventually watched it in cinemas. It wasn't, yeah, it didn't fulfill mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah. But as far as watching this goes, uh, I don't plan on going to cinemas to watch it purely for the fact that I'm waiting for Disney Plus to launch in South Africa. Uh-huh. And then I want to watch the um, the WandaVision and Loki. Oh, uh, yeah, that's... Uh, okay. So, yeah, let's talk about that quickly. Um, that's something I didn't mention in my review. Um, purely for time's sake, the review was already getting really long. Um, if you ask the question, do you need to see the Disney Plus shows to enjoy this movie, especially do you need to watch WandaVision? Um, I'm going to say no. But I think anyone who's going to watch this movie who hasn't seen WandaVision, and again, in South Africa, there's still no legal way to watch the um, WandaVision because Disney Plus only launches here on the 18th of May. So do you need to see WandaVision to watch this movie? I think no. I think you just need to um, read the synopsis of the series. Sorry, not the synopsis. You need to read the description of the WandaVision series and then you'll be all catch, uh, caught up. I, you don't need to see it. You just need to know the premise of what WandaVision is, where after the events of the movies that happened before that, Wanda is trapped in this place called Westville, and it may just all be an illusion. I think that's all you really need to know. What, um, sorry, what about Loki? No, you don't need to see that at all. So, uh, again, the re- reason Brendan asks is that Loki dealt with jumping. It also dealt with jumping between dimensions. Yeah. You don't need to see Loki at all. You okay. also don't need to see What If. Um, people are speculating that this movie will cross over with the What If animated series. Um, I don't want to say yes or no, because that would be a spoiler, but it's not important at all okay. to see any of the series. I think... The one that contributes the most is WandaVision because, I mean, she's in this movie. And like I said, she's basically the second main character. Yeah. Um, all you need to know is a basic premise of what that show is. And then, again, it's difficult to say without spoilers. Um, there's an item, a MacGuffin in this movie. And I think if people haven't seen the show, they might feel like they're missing out on context of what this MacGuffin is because it was introduced in the movie. But it's in multiverse of madness they explain what it does it's just basically a macguffin that's very evil and corrupts people that's all you need to know so uh, that's all you need to know there's an evil macguffin that does a lot of evil magic stuff and i can uh, that's a very simple premise but i can completely understand that people who haven't seen one division might hear about this macguffin and think it got a more screen time or was explained more in the show and i just want to tell you guys that it isn't so fantastic Keep that all in mind. I really don't think it's necessary to see the other movies, but I can understand Robin's position where 
seeing the MCU stuff was for the longest time before the pandemic and especially during the Infinity Saga. I know after the Infinity Saga, Kevin Feige came out and said, we're not going to do these projects that are so interconnected like we used to. Like Agents um, of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they were. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what was it? Uh, Age of Ultron picks up where one of the seasons ends and it's like, what? Yeah, it's it's definitely not like that. I think you can see this without that at all. But I completely understand Robin's position of in South Africa, especially we were big fans of the Marvel Universe for like 10 years. And we all were kind of conditioned by Disney to go and see every movie. Um, so now the fact that we've missed like 10 hours worth of Marvel content because we didn't have Disney Plus, you can feel like you're missing out. And I just want to not categorically, but I do want to say I think you can go in without seeing any of those shows and you'll be completely fine. Um, again, I can't say more without spoiling stuff. Uh, I can just say this, right? I will be your friend who's seen it and can give you some backstory. In WandaVision, some stuff happens that was very... Like, Wanda has gone through so much emo emotionally traumatic things and she gets even more emotionally traumatic in her show um, and some evil wizardry, sorcery stuff happens that might corrupt sorcerers. That's all you need to know. And I think if you went into this movie blind, um, Multiversal Madness, you will probably be able to come to that conclusion yourself. So again, I completely understand what Robin's saying. He wants to wait for Disney+. Plus. He wants to watch the shows. I completely get that. And I think that is a good way to see it. And I think maybe by the time, um, so 18th of May, maybe by the time... Disney Plus is here, and you've had the time to watch all those series. Maybe Multiversal Madness will be available for streaming. So that's a completely, I, I completely support what Robin's saying. Um, sorry, Robin, I kind of cut you off with all of that. Um, and then just to go back to your, your thoughts on Spider-Man and all of that, uh, you said you're a fan. Um, so yeah, sorry, I cut you off there. You, you're gonna wait. You're not gonna see this in in uh, in theaters. Yeah, I'm just one of those people that likes to be fully caught up in everything before yeah. I watch any piece of media. That's kind of related. Yeah, no, 100%. So um, we are getting a bit long in the tooth here. I just want to wrap up the stuff about Multiverse of Madness. I think this is the movie that No Way Home wanted to be. It perfectly juggles fan service, multiverse nonsense. Um, the movie is mostly about Doctor Strange, even though, like I said, Wanda is the, basically the secondary main character. It introduces a cool new character in America Chavez. And it's just a lot of fun. I think it's one of those projects that everything just came together awesomely. Sam Raimi was the correct choice for Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange was the correct choice for a multiverse movie. The multiverse was a good choice for now where there's like a hundred different multiverse stories happening in Marvel. And then like the movie, everything, everywhere, all at once. Um, multiverses are just hot right now, I suppose. <laughs> And yeah, I I have only mostly positive things to say about this movie, and I think people should check it out. But like Robin said, maybe you want to wait to see the um, the shows. But like I said, uh, I don't think it's ne it's a hundred percent needed to fully enjoy this movie. And yeah, everybody, check out my written review. And once everybody sees it, it launched last night in South Africa at seven o'clock um, through early public screenings. But now. From today is the official launch day, 6th of May. Go check out this movie. It's the most fun I've had in a movie theater since the pandemic. So, yeah, it, it gets two big thumbs up from me. 
Fantastic. And uh, seeing as there's load shedding until Monday, it might be a good idea <laughs> to get out of the house and go it, and watch a movie for your load shedding block. We were actually affected by that. Oh, um, my goodness. Yeah, the, press, <laughs> the press preview that happened earlier this week was in Hyde Park, and Hyde Park actually has um, generators, but yeah. something happened where they didn't kick in. So I watched an extra, like, 10 minutes of this movie <laughs> just because... I, I don't know how the projectors work, but apparently you can only go to like the start of a scene. Yeah. And because both of the load shedding, we got cut off when it started and we got cut off when it ended. So I watched an extra like 10 minutes of this movie, which I didn't mind. But it is funny that I, I got <laughs> affected by that. Man, yeah. if only Doctor Strange could get a, give us a multiverse where ESCOM works. <laughs> Maybe oh. Thanos could have snapped some electricity into the world. <laughs> that would have been fun. Fantastic. Right. So that's going to do it from us. Uh, we hope you have a fantastic short weekend. Unfortunately, no more long weekends from here on out. Uh, <sighs> but yeah, thank you for joining us. Remember to uh, check out all the reviews and stuff at the bottom of this post. Uh, and yeah, thank you so much. From myself, Brendan Lodge, Cheerio from Clinton Matos. Bye, everybody. And from Robin Lee Chetty. Take care, everyone. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Yes. Sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time.